What up, everybody? We're back. Another uh, episode of the La Utans podcast. Got a couple of friends here today. Sean, how we doing, brother? I am excellent, sir. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. It's been a while. Good to have you back. Edgar, Double Nation. How you been, bro? Doing good. Very glad to be back with you guys. It's been a while. Yeah, been busy, huh? Yeah. And Dennis, how you doing, brother? Pretty good. Good to good to have a four man crew again. This is gonna be fun. Yeah, man, that league's cup uh was different and you know, trying to get everybody available with like those ten o'clock games is pretty interesting. Yeah. You're making tough. the time to record and whatnot. Um, but glad to have everybody back. Uh, coming off of a victory, a 3-0 victory against Necaxa. But wanted to start off and, you know, before we get right into the game, something that, you know, was sort of a trend recently with the field conditions of many fields in Mexico. Um, you know, the Atlas game was moved to Estadio Azteca in their game against America. Um, I want to say the Chivas uh, Stadium also went through some stuff recently. And now the stadium um, in Aguascalientes, the Necaxa Stadium, also looked poorly. It was almost like we were playing an expansion team um, and as far as talent and the conditions. So I wanted to touch a little bit about that uh, as far as, you know, what we got used to seeing in the League's Cup. And I wanted to bring the conversation up because that was something that I was seeing as a trend on Twitter and some of the uh, media outlets on television was they talked about the uh, entertainment aspect of the game in Mexico you know, obviously dwindling with uh, the League's Cup and, you know, what they were exposed to and then now these field conditions. So I wanted to get some thoughts from you guys. Is it something too big? I'm overthinking it or are we as a media that were overthinking it or talking about it too much? What are your initial thoughts? We'll start off with you, Edgar. So, I mean, it's nothing new that the stadiums get used for concerts and other things uh, throughout the year. And that's fine. I don't see an issue with that. But I will say when the league's excuse to not have promotion and relegation anymore is because of the conditions of the second division stadiums and their fields and all of that, you have to absolutely hold your first division teams to a very high standard. That's not something that's acceptable by any means. So I do think it's kind of an issue. It really shouldn't be for any of these teams, if we're being honest. Um, and that's something that needs to be fixed and that needs to be addressed. For sure. Dennis, what you, would you think about all that stuff, especially with, you know, um, Nicaxa having majority ownership from American uh, uh, celebrities? Shout out to uh, Sean Marion, my boy. 2011 chance, baby. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't think much of it, to be honest with you. It's like that stuff happens every now and then because people go on tour and they use stadiums and all that. So I feel like it's being a little bit overblown. But it's also not like a new thing either. So I understand like why there is sort of the, you know, hoopla about it. But I mean, it happens. You got to have the the investment and the, the things that you need to like maintain the fields at a good level. And like Edgar just said, like, especially in the first division, it's kind of like a it almost feels like a requirement to to keep it up at a at a high level. Um, So. It would be nice. It would have been nice on Sunday to have better field conditions, but I feel like it was fine. I mean, 
it, it didn't really affect us that much. But I know that we talked about like, oh, we got to be a little bit not conservative, but not be like all out, especially in the middle of the park where it was a little patchy and stuff. But I mean, it's it's not that big of a deal. I say that, and also the Volcan's gonna have like five or six games in the span of like nine days weeks. Yeah. With like, uh, with, with all the home games we have and then feminine having both Barca and Madrid, like in pretty short, uh, span of time. So you, but you better hope that our crew down there is, you know, taking care of their business, but eh, I didn't really think too much of it, to be honest with you. Sean, what do you think? Cause I actually do believe that it had a, an effect on how we played. I don't think it's an unreasonable expectation that the field conditions should be at a borderline pristine level when you're playing in the first tier of Mexican soccer. Um, So if there's been complaints from players, coaches, or otherwise involved parties, then I can understand uh, why the media would, would take those complaints seriously and run with them to make the story bigger. But at the same time, as somebody who's got a yard that's, you know, halfway dying because it's 108 every day, I can understand why, you know, uh, when you're in a giant heat wave of the summer in August, in, in specifically, you know, Monterrey, Mexico, August Calientes, you know, you're talking about places that get even hotter than where we're at here in Houston. Um, I mean, at least for me in Ronaldo and uh yeah it's just I I can understand why it happens but at the same time it's not an unreasonable ask to say hey why are the pitch conditions as good as they possibly can be yeah I just think that it affected the way that we were able to possess the ball I mean take it we played a team that was you know didn't really create many chances against us but I thought that at times we didn't really look comfortable on the field and, you know, I think the players were overthinking their um, their steps. And I think, you know, even on a play, Aquino, like, literally fell on his ass on, you know, in the first half. Yeah, in the first half. And I just thought, you know, like, thinking about all the, you know, the injuries that could have possibly have happened and then just the possession of how we, you know, play out of the back. You know, luckily, you know, Nikaxa wasn't a team that, you know, asked too much of us. But I think that, you know, with the other games that got moved or, you know, with the things that happened um, in regards to field conditions, I feel like it was definitely something to um, talk about, but just wanted to get y'all's initial thoughts on that. Um, but onto the game, um, do we uh, believe this was our best lineup in terms, and that was one of the things too. I thought that that, you know, the lineup was a good choice and, you know, the field to me didn't really let us play the way we wanted to play, but I'll start off with you, Sean, this time. What do you think of the lineup? Uh, is that our best lineup um, at the moment? Probably so. Um, it's very close to it if it isn't. I think the only questionable maybe spot might be Linus, where you might want to try somebody else out as a winger spot. But now that you've packed off Diente, there's not a tremendous amount of competition unless you're Woods and you believe in Ramondo Fulgencio. So <laughs> um, just because I missed – an episode or two too. thoughts on the league cup run was, uh, you know, it was nice to see the boys competing. Uh, I, I laughed when uh, Dennis mentioned in the last one that we were the only Mexican team not to lose to an MLS squad. So where's everybody else at? I, I hey, had a man. good chuckle at that. Hey man, um, not, not anybody else could say that. So uh, obviously disappointing not to win it, but I, you know, it, it did still have a very much a preseason feel to it. Uh, so it, I, I think it's, it was a good showing. You got to see some good run. You saw some of the youngsters really kind of 
get some good decent minutes i feel like to see if he could find their footing early so that you could find out if they're rotation players for what's really most important to us in terms of building our reputation which is the league's you know the league titles and and putting stars on the crest so um yeah i i would agree in terms of moving forward into the league we're, we're starting off with a big bang coming out of the cups and into the the renewal of the regular season with a three nothing victory i think uh the angulo goal is kind of one of those things that that's a one in a million you won't probably see that ever again in the season it's unreasonable to expect a repeat performance of that but it's a nice thing to see that he's got that in his bag at least um the cordova the Gignac was just you know chef's kiss pure soccer beauty you know football champagne and then uh, this is going to shock you guys because my my hate of of, of Luis is, is well documented on this podcast. But that goal last night and then watching him just kind of dribble some. I am a I am a Luis Luis fan now. You know, it it, it is what it is. Uh, Quinones is, is by far the most talented one on one dribbler I've seen in a Tigre shirt in my time being a fan. And I've decided to appreciate the brilliance that he is able to bring when he brings it as opposed to uh, being intolerant of his inconsistency, because guess what? Everybody's inconsistent. I mean, Gignac has these long dry spells now that he's up in age two. So just I, I've taken to deciding to appreciate the brilliance of Quinones when it comes rather than yelling at my TV every time that he turns the ball over and doesn't run back. Fair. I actually saw a comparison. Someone compared him to uh, Roberto Alvarado, the Piojo from Chivas. And I was sort of mad about that. I was like, you know, Numbers-wise, they said that the, he was uh, close to him as far as what they've shown in the last three, four years. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm with you. I think, you know, when he's on it, I think he's probably the best one-on-one -on -one winger in the league. And, I mean, that's a lot to say, especially with all the criticism we, we have of him. But a right-foot shot goal uh, to give us a 3-0 victory, you know, I thought that was impressive. But um, I wanted to touch a little more on the lineup choice, uh, Dennis. I wanted to see what your thoughts on that. You know, we talked about it last week, which was probably the ideal lineup at the moment. And, you know, Sean mentioned the Linus uh, factor into it. And, you know, I wanted yeah, to nice see double entendre. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to see what uh, what do you think? I mean, he didn't really have a, a, a good game like we saw against Rayados in the League's Cup. Um, do you think he he's he's going to maintain his spot or, you know, are we going to try Ocier when he comes back and he's that's going to be a spot. What, what do you make of that? I think it's worth giving Ocier a shot when he comes back. I mean, I don't know how long his injury is. I don't think it's going to be that like serious. So he should be back in the fray, hopefully this weekend, if not next week. He started um, running uh, or practicing, you know, more, you know, he's running around the field today and I think he was doing some drills. So he's okay. closer. Cool. Cool. Okay. So he's like the only logical person that would, you know, fill out that other winger spot as of now and then maybe i know we talked about it a little bit on on sunday night during the game but samir being kind of shaky um a little bit with his decision making maybe you uh you sub out reyes when he's back healthy as well but on paper like that's our best lineup i mean the the midfield dynamic of of carioca being able to control games and to be able to you know push the pace but also to slow it down and then Nando just, you know, running around like a chicken with its head cut off all the time. But it works well. It balances out what Carioca does. And then Sebastian right in front of them, like being able to play balls and to break lines uh, that nobody else on this team really can, especially from that 
far up in the field. Um, that balance, it, we just haven't seen that this season, and that's only because Sebastian, unfortunately, you know, got wrongfully called up by uh, he who shall not be named, uh, former Tigres, former national team manager, um, and then got injured during that. Uh, so we haven't seen that this year, and so it was nice to finally see it come to fruition, especially like on that goal that he gave to to Andre. It was like, uh, like where has this been? Like all season, like this this hasn't happened since uh since the since the final. So, um, on paper, it's our best lineup. It's it's our most balanced, I would say. But I think there still is a question mark with Linez, um, with how just man he's been. Um, I thought he was fine on Sunday, but not like, you know, amazing by any means. But if we don't sign anybody else, then it's either him or Oziel. Like, there's there's no other option there at the other winger spot. Edgar, I mean, we've how many more chances does he get? I you know, are we ever gonna see him dominate a game? He had a good one one good cross this past game against uh, Nikaxa, where Gignac was able to get to it on a header. And I think it went straight to the goalie um, or, you know, me made a decent save on it, but, you know, I'm starting to question, you know, how much meaningful minutes he could get. Is he better off the bench? Does he continue to start, um, you know, with Nando playing so well right now, he's leading the uh, league in assists with three assists at the moment. You know what we need a little bit more contribution, especially with Luis still, you know, being able to take on defenders, he scored a goal. So we need more production out of that winger spot. Um, does he, how many more passes does he get, Edgar? I mean, it's hard to say. You can definitely say that um, with the League's Cup, he did show a little bit more improvement. Last game, he did show a little bit more improvement, not compared to that game against Rayados, obviously. But like you mentioned, he did give a good cross. Um, I think the signing of Osiel Herrera is kind of maybe pushing him to do a little bit better because now not only does he have to compete with this guy on the national team level, now he's competing with him every day, every day in training. So if it were me, however, as we were just discussing the lineup, if I have a fully fit Osiel Herrera, I'd give him the shot. Uh, just because we already had a whole season with Linus, and it was a lot of the same every single time. Honestly, this upcoming game is probably going to be the last opportunity he gets. If Osiel is not healthy, or even if he is, I would bring him off the bench, but this is really his last shot. Realistically, we probably won't see Ociel this weekend, so Linus probably gets to start again. But you know, we, obviously he beats out Fulgencio, um, so you, he starts. But I think honestly, I think he's more fit for how the squad is built, especially with Herrera. Er, oh, I was gonna say Herrera, Ociel Herrera coming onto the squad and healthy. I think you know he's just more fit to come off the bench, and you know if one of the wingers is not working, whether it's Luis Quinones or Ociel Herrera. You have him, you know, to give you those like quick bursts of energy. You know, maybe he takes on a defender, maybe he doesn't, but at least, you know, he runs, he, you know, he's able to dribble um, and use some of his speed. So I think in my opinion, he's just showing me that he's not capable of being a starter at Tigres. I do like him and I think he's definitely improved from the time that he arrived. And, you know, he has shown some flashes, but I think that ultimately he's not going to start for me if I really had to pick out the lineup and if I was Siwoldi. But um, I got a fun one for you. Yeah. Who would you rather have in their time here so far? Diego Linus or Soteldo? Man, that's an easy Soteldo answer. Soteldo made a real impact. I mean, that guy at least did stuff. He scored a goal. 
It was wild. It was crazy, but he did stuff. So I, I think that's kind of the similar kind of thing that you're looking for, right, from him. is like a, if you're going to be a tiny guy as opposed to the physicality that Ozzy is going to potentially offer when he gets healthy is that you're looking for that dynamism uh, if you're going to be, you know, I, because Linus is timed with us so far. I would similarly describe Quinones as his mercurial, right? Like sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. And you're just hoping for the best. And so, yeah, when he's really out and, you know, into space and dribbling along down the wing, it looks fun and exciting. And then he gets a cross in and we haven't seen it connect nearly often enough for him to be considered like, oh, this is a guy that we like yet. And so I think that's, you know, where the, why there's a question mark even over a starting job in the first place. But I agree with you in the, like the physical profile that Ozzy has of just that size and, and that speed combination. And I think that, that, uh, almost determination and will to stay on the ball uh, as opposed to kind of maybe flop over a little bit more like a Quinones or a Linus does stay on your feet, fight through some contact is, is potentially exciting, but some of that may just be new car smell too. Hey, we got a new toy. Let's play with this instead of the old toy. So we'll see. I think the hard part right now is that the, the other option that you could do in theory, and we've talked about this multiple episodes is bring Javier back up to his old position in the front line. The hard part right now is that he's been playing so well this entire season so far. What, what performance has he had that has been bad? If you think about it, like he, I thought he was great. The entire league's cup run for the most part. And he's been pretty solid in, in the league games, except maybe the Juarez game. Like that's the hard part. You don't want to break up that dynamic up with him and Angulo, like doing so well. Um, in the in the left back and right back roles, and so do you bring in Chewy then? Like I know well, we talked about that thing. too. That's that's the thing. Chewy Garza hasn't had much playing time in right. the last two months or so, and so it's like, is he even informed to even take him over that position to where you can take that risk and move Aquino? And so then you it comes a, becomes a liability at that right back spot. Not because Chuy Garza doesn't have the talent, but I mean, we've we've known that if you don't play, obviously you lose form and you're not able to be match fit. So. I think that, you know, it, you know, maybe our left winger position at the moment with Linus is our weakest link uh, with possibly now, you know, with the weird moment that Samir is going through. Obviously, you know, we saw towards the end of last season in that run in the Liguilla, he lost his spot. And, you know, Diego Reyes was able to step up. Diego Reyes is finally practicing. He's, you know, he's probably going to be available this this match. Is he going to start? Eh, probably not. Maybe possibly coming off the bench and available since he's been out a few weeks. But Samir hasn't looked good. You know, what's going on with him? Any uh any thoughts on uh his performances lately? Possibly still in preseason mode. I mean, if uh Leaks Cup was just a lot of travel and Siboldi kind of mentioned that he wanted to experiment that he was gonna take it as a sort of preseason to be to start off maybe he just fell into that mindset and kind of just led to a slump i think it's interesting that the question marks that we have over the center back position isn't guido right <laughs> dude i mean he looks more comfortable and comfortable and, and we we dennis and i saw him up close at uh the least cubs games and you know we talked about it uh last week on the episode and 
I've never seen Guido play up that close. Um, it had been years since I've you know watched Tigres live, and prior to the League Cup, I think I saw a couple of friendlies, but I wasn't as close as I was these past games. And you know, he's so vocal on the field, and you know, he just so he plays so calm and collected. And you know, coming out of the back when he's able to break free and with the ball, and like you know, you trust him to come out of out of there. But I think he looks more comfortable. He obviously this is not his natural position, but I think that he's not the question mark. And like you said, emphasizing that. And so it it'll be interesting to see if he slides Diego Reyes over to that left side and he pairs, he, he tries it with Pizarro, or he continues to roll the ball on uh or roll the dice on Samir. So Never really thought that I was going to be having this conversation, you know, to begin the season. Um, you know, I thought that the slump that Samir went through was, you know, because of the injury that he suffered and then, you know, Diego Reyes' high performances. But, you know, we lost Igor Lichnowski and, you know, we don't really have much more after that. Loronia doesn't get playing time. So we need him at his best, you know, to make a run in this in this league, uh, season in Liguilla. So, Got to pick it up. He hasn't looked as, like, fast since he got hurt, I don't think. Like, I remember him, like, when he first got to the team. Like, he moved pretty well. Like, was able to track back, like, decently well with most anybody. And I remember, like, watching him specifically in the Reales game that we were at a couple weeks ago um, for League's Cup. And I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to say he's lost his step because, like, it's not like the guy's ancient by any means. But I really feel like that injury has affected him i think a little bit in that regard and i I don't know when like he'll be able to be back at his like full fit best if that makes sense i don't know i i just feel like it hasn't been there um in the decision making too you know right that's why he's getting all these yellow cards and and you know in that yellow card that he got against nikaksa like you know that wasn't necessary like the the play was you know what probably midfield maybe closer to on the nikaksa midfield side and and then the you know the tackle on that Rayalo's game in the league's cup where he, you know, they didn't call the penalty, but they went to the VAR. You know, I just feel like he, his decision-making hasn't been, decision-making hasn't been the best, which then you throw in the losing the step and it just does, it looks shaky. It just doesn't, there's no, not enough confidence back there. He had a bad play in the Portland game too. If you remember with the yellow card in the first half. Right. And so got to pick it up guys, but we, for the most part, I felt like, you know, it wasn't a game that caused too much problems for Tigres, other than, the, like I mentioned to me personally, the field conditions weren't the best. And I think that that had a slight effect, you know, psychologically on the players as far as how they are able to move the ball. But 62% possession, nine shots uh, and six on goal or six on target. And overall, he's proud. Huh? Said make Luis proud. Yeah, I wish I had the XG stats like he always. Provided. I got you. I got you. One point three. One point Sorry. <laughs> but That's other than that, that I think it was... was probably a point zero 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 one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But other than that, I thought it was a comfortable game, and I thought you know I was, you know, I had a mixed feelings about it. Obviously, I was happy that we won, but you know, I I I was expecting more of a like a routing in your face like. 5-0 if, if possible, but I think, like I said, field conditions and other factors and, you know, play into that. Cordova, Sean, it was a, it was a point zero three on the Angulo goal, actually. So pretty close. Wow. But that, Hey, that comes off of a set piece that, that, that was, that was actually organized. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he's got, he's got a rocket. He's he's had a, he's had a couple of shots here and there over the last couple of seasons. Roberto Carlos, he is not. Oh, absolutely not. But if he, if if he's open, let him shoot that rocket. He might blast it into into. Oh, I mean, it's, it's into the stands. Ninety eight out of a hundred. <laughs> Probably, but you know, we might get a goal like we did. So the Quinones goal was point zero two. So actually, Angulo's was a tiny bit more expected. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I wonder if that's due to proximity of defender. Yeah, maybe. That's interesting. Um, Edgar, what do you uh, think about all these youngsters that got some playing time? Uh, Fierro came in the midfield. You know, he's back after he was injured for a bit. Ordonez, who somehow has become Siboldi's uh, favorite now. He's got a good amount of playing time in the League's Cup. Um Towards the end of last season, he got some playing time, which his natural position is a left winger spot, but he's played him a little bit at left back, left wing back, even just at left wing at the left winger spot. And then Fernando Gonzalez, which I wasn't too familiar with, and um, he came in as a right winger. What do you think about the youngsters coming in, having, you know, being the choice over like Fulgencio, who, you know, has not really shown what we thought he could be? I mean, I think it's great. I think this is something that we had all as a fan base kind of just been wanting to see since Tuca. Never got to see it. I remember it was such a big deal for us when Garza got uh, his first couple minutes. So that was great. And as far as Fulgencio goes, like, I think it's also very good that he realizes and that Siboldi acknowledges that his only competition is not Diego Lainez and Jose Herrera and Luis Quinones, that these youngsters definitely have the potential. And if they're going to put in more of the work, they absolutely deserve uh, first team minutes. I would say on the youngster front, it's just been kind of a, a rotating squad of veterans that regularly get the playing time. And then you see these kind of flash in the pan youngsters that get a shot for a little bit and then disappear again, right? Because it was Ayala there for a couple of games in the central midfield. And then he kind of disappeared off the radar. And then it was like, oh my gosh, is Chewy Garza the right back of the future? Look, this youngster came through the academy. Now he's kind of fallen off at the end of last year. I know we were playing basically for nothing in the regular season game. So we were just throwing a thousand youngsters in there, but you know, uh, a couple of those guys that have made recent appearances were in that batch of guys. So I'm still waiting for any of our youngsters to actually find a way to establish themselves into regular minutes on the team. I guess it, it's, it's nice to see the rotation to keep taking flyers on guys just to see if they are going to stick. Cause that's the only way you're going to know if they, if they have what it takes is by giving them actual minutes. But uh, to not have any of them really like stick in a meaningful role you know you haven't had anybody I mean I, I remember how excited I was about that the kid from a couple years ago that that led the U17s U18s in the scoring and it was like oh hey he's gonna get a couple of games and replace a geniac and a couple of friendlies and he's never been seen or heard from again and I think we might have sold him if I remember right so it's just he's like, on loan he's on loan on loan okay so yeah. it's it, it, you know it's just like you you know you kind of start to get a little bit excited from seeing these flash on the pan guys and then the rotation stays the same of of Gignac and Quinones and Aquino and Carioca and Guido you know so uh at some point they'll those guys will be gone and the new names will have to be somebody's Hopefully it's some of these guys, but because, uh, you know, the sooner we start establishing them, the better. But for now, it's it's kind of still hold my breath and wait and see, I think. 
I do want to add though, like this has been the most youngsters we've seen in, in a very long time, like under Siboldi. I feel like he has a lot more confidence in playing some of these guys. So that speaks highly of him, you know, and believing in, in you know, in the future. Um, I personally like it. You know, I'd rather see those guys get a shot than, you know, the same old Fulgencio coming off the bench. Um, even like, you know, Edward Third or Loroña who haven't really impressed so I would hope it's kind of working in conjunction with the board's objectives too, of saying like, Hey, here's some guys that like, who are some guys that you think are standing out because we are wanting to dedicate, you know, X percentage of minutes towards youngsters from our Academy or homegrown talent, just kind of see what we got, see if, to see if our, so that way you could, because the only way you're going to grade your internal staff and seeing if they're making progress with guys is to see if those guys that they're producing are actually going to turn into players. Right. So and it would make sense with the foreign rule like reduction and possibly that reducing again in the next couple of years. So, you know, we've seen it now with a lot of the turnaround of uh, or turnover of players who we brought in, you know, a lot of young, young Mexican talent, Cordova, Ociel, Lainez, Pisuto, um, and then some of these guys playing. So it's probably on par with what you said on, with the board asking as that head, you know, head towards that direction as the league, you know, possibly could be changing with the foreigners. Yeah, that continued emphasis on Mexican talent. Right. Um, well, we're finishing, you know, after that uh, match day four, we finished second in the table, uh, eight points, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and we are up against our sons, Pumas. Uh, we're playing on the road. Seven o'clock game. I think that game got changed because it was supposed to be a later game. I'm glad because not a, something that we have to stay up for. Not so late of a game on Sunday. It'll be nice to enjoy. But wanted to touch a little bit about that game. Pumas doesn't seem like they're picking it back up. I thought under Mohamed, they would probably do a lo little bit better. I think they're coming off of a tie against Toluca. Um, Man, they should have won. They missed a sitter, a really, really bad sitter in that game. I don't know if y'all saw that, but it was real bad. Yeah, Salvio created that play, you know, from behind midfield. And that dude, who was that guy that missed it? I have no idea, but like literally, like any of us could have tapped that in. I think it was I the saw. guy that was at uh at Juarez. I think his name is Toro Fernandez or something like that. Maybe. But what do you what do you think about this game coming up, Edgar? I think it's a great opportunity for the team to get even more confidence. Uh, like you mentioned, Pumas isn't doing great. They haven't really necessarily picked up. Um, so it was a fun game to play against Pumas. I enjoy that. And I think uh, playing in the afternoon is definitely going to be an advantage for us. I know going to say it was extremely difficult when you play at noon or one o'clock. Like that's just, that's always really the hurdle. It's not really your opponent. It's just the circumstances. That's the only time you ever really struggle against Pumas. Um, but I think this is a game that we could easily walk away from with a 5-0 score. My man. <laughs> Damn, I was not expecting to hear that. Sean, what are you thinking? Uh, one of only five teams along with us to not take a loss so far this season is Pumas. Uh, one win, three draws. So I think the most likely bet is since we're going to their place, it's probably a tie. Make it exciting, though. Give me 2-2. Two -two. Dennis Adventures in goalkeeping wouldn't have well. True. You know he's in that phase right now where he's very adventurous. Uh I, I think we're we're the better team. Like I, I know we're going away, but in theory, there should be a better field to play on. And I think I think we're hopefully 
trending towards the right direction. I think Sunday was a good stepping stone, especially with how how things ended in the League Cup. Like I know, like it wasn't the greatest performances, but we did okay. And then obviously, like losing a Clasico Regio, albeit controversially, like you know, I that could have affected morale like a decent bit and. I think based on Sunday's performance, it didn't. So I think we're heading in the right right way. Um, just got to get completely healthy. But I'm going to say like 2-0, 3-1. I don't know. We went by two. I, I, I think we'll be fine. I'm not that concerned. One of uh, Geniac's favorite uh, teams to score against, too. That is also very true. He loves scoring in that stadium, too. And, you know, a night game, like Edgar mentioned, much easier to play for him and the rest of the squad. Um, I think I'm with, I'm with you. I think it's a two-game victory, uh, two-goal victory, whether that's 3-1, to 2-0. I don't think they score on us. Mohamed doesn't really do well against Tigres. Um, and I think that sometimes the his idea of playing offensively leaves a lot of spaces in the back. I don't think their defense is that great. So I think that, we definitely go into their house and come out with a victory. I remember two games against Pumas ever in my life, and that was obviously the 2015 final, like at the second leg. Well, obviously both legs. Um, but that game and then the game that Andy Delore scored like there with like 2016, like the next year, his like one of only two or three goals that he scored with us before he went back to France. But I just remember, yes, our next French compatriot is doing something and then he left and now he's playing a guitar. So I think Jurgen Dom had a goal in that game too, where he was on the right foot his, and he scored with the left foot. Wow. I think it was the same the one game where game. he celebrated like Salt Bay. Was it that one or the one where he celebrated like Ronaldo and he took off his shirt? I don't oh, What was that one? I cannot remember that one. He was on, it, it was, it was from, I know it was in, in Pumas. I don't know if it was a semifinal game or a regular season game, but it was the year after his first year, which, cause I remember it was the same Jersey as the Andy, the Lord Jersey. So mm-hmm. interesting. Um, well, that's all I got on our men's side. I want to touch up on the women's side before uh, we take off. Tigres versus Santos last night, Tigres Femenil, uh, a tale of two games, first half seven to zero. I don't think I've ever seen that in the first half men or women's uh, that was quite impressive and didn't even really, nobody had time to tweet. I was seeing everybody like, you know, Miguel Angel Garza, the, you know, the Prezi account, Lou, yourself, myself. And I was like, back, like we just had so many goals in that game. Lisbeth Valle obviously had a hat trick and Mari Carmen Reyes had a hat trick. So Edgar will touch up with you since you uh, follow him the most. Uh, what do you make of the hat trick that Hawaii scored and Mari Carmen I mean, if you guys saw, I talked about it in the chat a little bit. I was like, all right, there's going to be a hat trick from both of them. Who's going to do it first? And I was betting on Mari Carmen, but Ovalle, with her magic, made it happen first. No complaints. Uh, she's also, I believe, two goals away from being top goal scorer for Feminine. So that was just incredible as well. Yeah, she um, has 93 goals, uh, two from time, Kati Martinez. Right, right. So two from tying. And that, I mean, it's definitely going to happen within the next two weeks, hopefully. Very excited for that, and really excited that Mari Carmen was able to just step up when Fischl left. I think that was, a, at least on my end, it was kind of a little bit of a concern, just because Evelyn was not the most popularly known player 
to replace her. Uh, but Mighty Kaidman stepped up. She's doing great. I'm very excited for that. She's in great form. And, you know, I know my, Stephanie Mayor was hurt, but I, I'd like to see if they do sign this Colombian player that they're bringing on. I'd really like to see Mari Carmen Reyes get the nod behind this Colombian player because I think the Colombian player is coming to start. I mean, she's the captain of the Colombian national team. She scored two goals in the World Cup. Mari Carmen Reyes is scoring goals left and right. And I think that you give her the nod from, you know, the profile of a player of, you know, playing in the World Cup. And I think Mayor goes to the bench and see if she regains some form. I think she's carried some bad form from last season where she was playing like away from the goal uh, under Moscato. And now, you know, she obviously got hurt. Mari Carmen Reyes is doing so well. Um, I think that Mari Carmen Reyes has to start, whether that's at the center, you know, false nine or, you know, behind the nine. Dennis, Sean, any thoughts on uh, the game last night? I was working, but it was a butt whooping. I kept getting the Twitter notifications. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had 26 it shots. It was like FIFA on amateur mode. <laughs> Dude, you ain't kidding. 26 shots overall, 16 on target, 10 off target. Like, like what happened? Like, I didn't get to watch too much of it either. Um, mainly because I, I couldn't find it for a while. Um, thanks, Fox Deportes, um, for messing that up. But, yeah, I, I mean, it's insane to me that this team is this good and because of one tiny draw, we're not first place right now because America is also insane. Like yeah. they scored, I think they scored 32 goals. Figueres has scored 30. And then the next team has like 17. Like it's just insane how much we're scoring and how much they're scoring. And I, I do have just, a thought related to that. I remember being concerned for the feminine side when they made the uh, Kati for Cordova video deal mm -hmm. and boy oh boy have we gotten a nice end of that deal yeah <laughs> in hindsight because the, the the feminine have continued just the 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 the, the institution continues rolling on uh you know bigger than bigger than any one player it seems yeah they haven't lost a step and e even like you know there's been a lot of questionable um Things that maybe, maybe not questionable. There's some things that Mila Martinez has come in and, you know, established with some of these players like Nayeli Rangel still getting a lot of playing time. You know, she was getting play, uh, playing time under Moscato. Now she's getting played under Mila Martinez, which I'm a fan. She's probably one of my favorite Tigres players. And maybe it has to do more with the fact that, you know, they call her, you know, La Incha Que Juega. You know, it's, it's awesome, you know, even before the Femenil and, you know, during the early years of the feminine she was always in the stands and she just has that like you know love for tigres and i'm not you know just like nati villarreal who's also from monterrey and you know grew up a tigres fan so they're, they're definitely invested into the team in a different way um but some of the shuffling that mila martinez has done has been questioned by the fan base you know i saw yesterday even though we scored seven goals i've never seen so many people question it you know i questioned it myself but not so much like the decision making that she's or what she's doing. I just for me was like, you know, you have true forwards on the bench like Alexia Villanueva, who was brought in, which now I'm convinced that she it wasn't a choice of Mila Martinez coming on. Um, I think it was just an institutional move where Alexia Villanueva had future being the top scorer for Santos last season and being young and Mexican. And so, you know, making the position or the 
bench deeper and younger. But, you know, there's that. And then obviously it's the um, Mercado coming on where Nancy Antonio and Alexia Delgado were holding down the mid. So there's some things that have been, have been questioned. So obviously um, we're still on a roll and the club's still moving. And I think that they they look stronger than ever as far as, you know, on paper with, you know, two players possibly coming on with a Jamaican international defender and then the Colombian um, international attacker. And there's obviously another rumor of another European player. And then it's like, how much can this team get even stronger? And this is a time to try stuff out too, you know, because the women's, the women's team is everything in terms of results wise that you want the men's team to be. Sorry to cut you off, Dennis. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. That's a great point. Like, they're they're doing everything that we expect them to. And like this is this is the time to try stuff out. This is the time to experiment and to see what works and what doesn't because you don't want to be doing that or trying to pull something together in the Gia. So And my biggest praise for Mila Martinez is she's been able to experiment left and right and be questioned left and right without sacrificing results. That's something that to me is like very important, something that stood out. Carmelia Moscato tried that in a couple instances. I think what was it last league? Yeah, it ended up costing us the pass to the next round. But mm-hmm. uh, Martinez is carefully and tediously doing these substitutions and these changes. Uh, something that I really admire, something that I'm very, very happy with. So I, I don't have any doubts to her tactics or anything so far. I'm very happy. Um, I was going to, prior to last night's game, I was going to ask, you know, who was going to get the 200 first, whether that was Ovalle and Gignac. But obviously, now I know that answer. But Gignac, 10 goals away from 200. And now Ovalle is seven goals away from uh, 100 uh, in her career with Tigres. Um, What do you guys think of, like, you know, those two players? You know, obviously, we know Gignac because we've talked about him a lot more uh, and has had a lot more uh, time on this podcast. But Ovalle, you know, she's got a big opportunity next uh, next week against Real Madrid and then you know soon after that against Barcelona or vice versa I'm not sure I can't remember which game is first but is she uh ready to move on to the next level she was the one who put that nasty move in the Bayern Munich game yeah and she was the one that sent the cross to yeah, yeah, Chen. Yeah. then yes absolutely that, that yes her highlight reel is ridiculous <laughs> it did she yes she she can go any to she yeah I mean if uh uh big fish we just went to chelsea yes she's definitely ready to go and that's why i posed the question is because you know with fischl going to chelsea and you know you got two you know big powerhouses of uh, women's soccer coming to um mexico to el volcan it's like it's the perfect time to be scouted i'm sure she's excited to show the world what she's capable of and it sucks that mexico missed out on the world cup because you know we have her in her best form. I mean, she's only 23 years old. So I think that she has plenty of good soccer years, soccer years left, but it's really exciting to see a player of that caliber that, you know, it's not a true forward, you know, playing on the, at the left winger position, scoring that many goals. Not to discredit me official in any way, shape or form. She's a phenomenal player. She's extremely talented. Um, but if she could make the jump to Europe first, Ovai is definitely next without a doubt, without question. And that's the, and that's the thing, right? That's the target. You know, we all, you know, at least a year or two ago, the 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 idea, you know, she was being scouted by Houston Dash was like, you know, go to the NWSL. But at this point, 
I think going to Europe is definitely the move for her to get that exposure onto the world and get a lot more, uh, you know, e- or even better. Now, where where is the best fit for her? Like, th- does she make sense on like a on a La Liga team, like a Barcelona or or Madrid? Does she make sense in the? I can't remember the the English league, the name of it. Um, like on a I don't know, like a Man City or I don't know, I don't know anything about these teams. But yeah, like, I think culturally, you, you if you're gonna make you the probably move, want you might as well Spain. make the move to Spain because the quality yeah. in Spain is evident based off them just winning the World Cup right there Correct. with right. a ton of right. you know a ton of uh you know the madrid and barcelona players so i don't think you could go wrong anywhere in europe for her but i I do i do understand like that point from a culture perspective and a language barrier and all that but and the play style too you know the the way that the the game is played um in spain i think you know it's similar to how the men play in their own way and i think that jackie ovaya would fit in perfectly because she's got obviously that quick change of direction she's got the technical ability she's got the scoring threat and she's got she's a fighter, dude. Like, you know, she's she's fierceful on the field. So all credit to her for uh the great form that she's been in carrying from last season to this season. Obviously, you know, there's no doubt that she's the best player in the league. Up next, they have uh Atlas, which probably will be another routing victory. And also, you know, our former coach Roberto Medina coming to El Volcan to face his former team. And Katio Valle could score or break the record, tie the record or break the record in that game. So lots of exciting things coming up for the men's and the women's. I think we're in great shape, guys. Uh, Got to continue to carry form, get healthy uh, on the men's side and, you know, let Mila Martinez go to work and uh, figure it out for our, the women's side. And there's like three weeks till uh, till they're here in Austin, the men's team. Yep. Three weeks, uh, September 10th, uh, we got America at Q2 Stadium. So that's exciting. Anything else, guys? We're all set. Thank you guys for uh, coming on, and uh, thank you, everybody, for listening and tuning in. Follow us on socials. Absolutely. See you guys next time.